Today's pod is brought to you by Waterfront Comics, located at 609 Main Street, Sassoon City, California. Open every day from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. So if you're looking for a gift for an avid comic book reader or a collectible for a friend, come to Waterfront Comics. John is the guy to see. And if you can't come in person, no worries. Waterfront Comics does ship to home via their email, waterfrontcomics at gmail.com. Hey everybody, it's James and Marco and Nabil, and this is the Movie Pals Podcast, podcast number 28. We're actually be going over Mission Impossible Fallout, but leading up to it, we're having a bit of a marathon here of all previous Mission Impossible movies. So that kind of explains where we've been for the last three and a half weeks, I guess. We, we went under, or we went down the rabbit hole, the James rabbit hole, actually, and had a complete Mission Impossible marathon. Yeah, but a good rabbit hole, I think. But no, that's the reason, right? Because watching six movies takes a while. It does. There's a lot to ingest. We weren't just like, oh, hey, we just don't feel like doing it, or hey, somebody slept in, or all that bullshit. But I mean, we actually, I think we announced it on the last one, didn't we? We did. Yes. And we wanted to bring you guys something different, because I don't think we've done anything like this. I mean, no. we've, we've done the Studio Ghibli marathon but those were separated in different episodes and this is the first time we're going to do something in one single episode so you guys are going to go down this adventure with us so get ready for some great mission impossible call outs so before then i know a lot of you guys probably want to know what we've been watching but you know what we're gonna skip it so we have watched quite a lot though yeah we'll catch you guys up uh next episode next time which once again has a slight hiatus as well just a bit. It's the summertime, guys. We got a lot of things to watch. We have personal lives. The, 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 pal, the pals have plans, and we're going to take them, and we're just going to hit the pause button again, and then we'll be back, and you guys will uh, never miss us again. Let's go ahead. We're going to knock these out one by one and go over our thoughts, uh, what we like about each one, what we don't like, maybe. We're going to give you our ultimate rating at the end of it all, of all six movies, so... Uh, we're not going to do it after Rogue Nation. It'll be after Fallout. So uh, without further ado, let's start our Mission Impossible Marathon. Starting out here, we're going to start with the first film, Mission Impossible. Simple game. Is he serious? Always. It's much worse than you think. We're being ambushed. Abort, that's an order. They knew, they knew we were coming. Do you read me? I don't care how he did. So this movie was released in 1996, and the IMDb description on this one is, An American agent, under false suspicion of disloyalty, must discover and expose the real spy without the help of his organization. Uh, this was directed by Brian De Palma, 
who did uh, The Untouchables in 87, Scarface in 83, Carlito's Way in 93, did quite a few other ones. Did you guys know oh, that he directed this? I, I didn't know. I did not know that he directed the original one. I didn't either. I mean, I maybe knew back in the day when I read up on the trivia, but pleasant supply, surprise, right? Yeah. Dude, the movie's 22 years old, so it's hard to remember a lot from a movie back oh, then. Oh, no. I, yeah, I totally <laughs> I mean, agree. unless you've seen it numerous times, which, I mean, back in the day, I did see the movie quite a few times on VHS. This was a movie that, back in the day, I did not like at all as a kid. I didn't appreciate it as much as a child either. See, I liked it as a kid, but I was I didn't know the fuck, confu- I was confused. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah, I, I, I liked it, but at the end when everything is sort of explained, I'm like, oh, I was like, what the hell? No, did even I just as watch? a kid, I was like, I still don't know what the fuck's going on. Let's see, I was my math here, I'm gonna carry the one. I was thirteen when this movie came out, oh. so I I was able to I was I started to appreciate more movies that kind of challenged my brain. That makes sense. Bit. I was a seven or eight. I was eight. Yeah. Marco. Oh, by the way, as a heads up to everybody, uh, we're going to spoil all these movies. So yeah. right off the bat, just to let you know, we're going to let you know pretty much all twists and turns because it kind of adds to our kind of our discussion of it. So once again, if you haven't seen these, I mean, if is, you've been asleep for the past 22 fucking years, then I mean, I'm really sorry. I know some people who haven't seen these at all, but this is kind of a pretty good jumping off point. If you don't want to go any further, we're going to be spoiling all six films. So. And I, I will say, too, though, even though we'll be spoiling the films, it's still a movie worth watching. Yeah, it, it doesn't take away. Yeah. So this movie is the first one that Tom Cruise was in, obviously, because he's in all of them. He's Ethan Hunt. Uh, he has short hair in this one. That's uh, important to, to know. Mm-hmm. His hair is going to be a, a big topic. It's in, a big in one. In this episode. Uh, Ving Rhames plays Luther who is a disavowed agent that is a, kind of a computer whiz that helps Ethan out. A very slim th- Ving Rhames. Yes. And very 90s basically, we can. Go, I wrote notes, basically, just give everyone a heads up of everybody. And there seems to be kind of a theme that follows through with all these movies of who's like running the IMF. By the way, do you guys think IMF is the most craziest name for an organization? Uh, impossible mission force yeah it's the best name for organization it sounds so fucking fake it's on the nose <laughs> it's the best name for any government organization it, be, it beats They're, cia hands down that's or your job to solve impossible missions. and here's the thing do they ever bring up what it means until the third movie oh i don't know i think they mention the impossible because yeah. up until Wait. when he when when his wife asks him like what does that stand for then he's like impossible impossible mission force in like the very no, last the, seconds of that movie I didn't actually know what IMF meant I was like oh that's corny as fuck <laughs> no I think I think they mention it be, before in one okay. of the movies I think it's during one of the briefings they say something about impossible mission it's mm. probably the first one gotcha yeah. Yeah. Uh, our main baddie in this one here's the spoiler right off the bat is going to be John Voight, uh who plays uh, Jim Phelps. Who is basically Jim Phelps is supposed to be kind of the leader of this IMF force where Ethan is kind of the hotshot rogue guy in it, I guess. Yeah, but let's be honest. I think if you watch any movie, 
with John Voight. Isn't he it's always safe to assume guy? that he's a yeah. bad guy? Yeah, I, you, you got to go away knowing that. And then you have June Reno in there, too. He plays this guy named Krieger, and just his name sounds like he's the bad guy, too. Yeah. And guess what? He fucking is. And that's this when is, John Reno was getting, like, really big in America. Y- yeah, that's side. what I was going to say. Like, you guys got to know this is the, the mid-90s, and this is after Leon the Professional, which yeah. John Reno, like, starred in and made him a superstar. So oh, he's, yeah. like, he was in this, one. in... The Godzilla movie and Ronin, mm-hmm. like everybody wants oh, yeah, John Reno. He was in Ronin. Mm-hmm. Is he a bad guy in Ronin too? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he's got that killer French accent, man. He's yeah. got it. And be. I guess technically Vanessa Redgrave, she plays a kind of a broker named Max, who's she's a bad guy too. Which I hope she like to ends up showing up into the series, maybe because well, it sounds like well, spoiler again, it sounds like she's probably dead. You think so? Yeah, there's. If you remember there, a scene from one yeah, of those. we're gonna we're gonna bring something up a little later on that kind of mentions that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think she made it. She looked <laughs> old in this one too. But you know um, there is there there are uh, a lot of uh, fake deaths in this series there are. too, which was a trend. And as a kid, I didn't know. You know what? One scene that uh, confused me as a kid. I'm gonna before I go into my little notes of uh, big scenes in this movie. Uh, the first one when John Voight's character is telling Tom Cruise like his side of the story, and yeah. when Tom Cruise is actually like, "Oh, so that's what what happened," da da da, but he's actually playing it in his head yeah. that John Voight's playing him. As a kid, I never understood that. Oh, really, neither did I. I mean, I was like, "Wait, he's saying one thing, but and the guy's saying another." Else, yeah. What the fuck does this mean, man? It was also confusing to me that the director of the imf at the time kidridge was actually a good guy but they made him so they villainous. make him yeah they make him seem so villainous that he's against Ethan i Hunt. actually like him and that yeah yeah especially at the end like you realize oh yeah he's just trying to uh, but, fix this problem but going going back older like it's easy to follow this type of storyline because it in a way it was sort of ahead of its time with, that, with that storytelling yeah. those types of story lines were introduced more like in the later early to later 2000s i think it's funny though because i this is probably like the sixth or seventh time i've seen this movie now and i feel like every time i watch this it's because i've previously seen it is why i understand it better and better same and i catch more little things like oh that's why he's doing such and such and that's what this part means um it's not even is it i don't think this is even classified as an action film Oh, it's more espionage. Yeah. It's very espionage. And I, it's, yeah. I do I'd like this. This is a style of film that I really miss. And this is like in remnants of uh, the Born Identity. Yes. The, style, the first one with the style of filmmaking, you know, um, where like I, I think I brought it up in a previous pa- uh, podcast as well. But it's more like in that European style because you could tell it's very yeah, European yes. in that way. Did you think, Nabil, that it was uh, kind of a darker? It's one of the darker ones. Oh, definitely. Too. Yeah. Especially and they right get off, you right at the beginning. Oh, yeah, right. they kill the entire team at the start. Bro, like, when, it, oh, when okay. Emilio it gets tone. fucking spiked in the elevator shaft, I was like, Hot no. Coke. <laughs> Ducks fly together, bro. I, I, w- I just want to say, I completely forgot Emilio Estevez was in this movie. I, I, I thought he was done after Young Guns 2. <laughs> so. Make you famous. So. Um, notable things here, guys. Every movie, Tom Cruise runs a lot, as you guys know. And they recently just did a report where uh, the more that Tom Cruise runs, the more the uh, movies perform better, actually. Really? It's an interesting article. <laughs> really? Oh, that'll be interesting. <laughs> That's a national well. statistic? Yeah, Google it. Holy it's, shit. It's kind of crazy. The more he runs in a movie, the more the better his movies have actually done financially. I will tell you something about his run that I think is fascinating. Very intense. The guy, 
I don't know if he's really like running full speed or whatever he's doing. It looks he like looks it. like he is. And I've never seen somebody look so like into his run that I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm winded watching you chase after this guy. Dude, Tom so, Cruise gives 110% for in his running. Like, yeah, look, like, like, if he's willing to do his own stunts, I'm pretty sure he's running at full oh, yeah. speed so. every time. Because you see some action scenes and some actors, they're like running. Yeah, they're running, but you don't feel so intense. He's just trying to catch up to this dude. But Tom Cruise, he's running like the wind. He's trying to get after these guys. So speaking Speaking of running, there's a few running scenes in this one, but the most notable one I want to bring up is when Kittredge kind of corners Ethan early on in the film, right after all the agents have been betrayed. We get into a scene where Ethan folds the explosive gun, throws it onto the fish tank, it explodes, and uh, once again, slow motion, he jumps out of the building, and he's just running, and then he's running, 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 and then he runs out of the scene, Yeah, which I believe during the marketing of this movie, they showed that scene a lot. Um, yeah. That's and one of the, the big fish tank. There's exploding. like three big scenes that they kept showing over and over again. Yes, Which, do. by the way, I just want to say that I feel like in the 90s, uh, it was very common for fish tanks to explode. It happened in <laughs> Eraser as well. There was like a fish tank. I think it's when they started uh, finding out that slow motion was a thing, and they're like, yeah. they're like, isn't it cool when the water falls down? Yeah, yeah. glass they're breaking, like, water spilling over in slow motion. They're like, we got like a winner. It. What yeah. about the fish guys? You know well, what? You do see him flopping casualties. around. Every time I've seen that scene, I'm like, I hope those fish are okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. It's, it's, it, those, those, those are animals. Yeah. One of the most no, uh, notable scenes, though, I got to bring up about this first one uh, that was kind of parodied and replicated a lot was the scene during the, the big big heists movies when they're still in the NOC, the uh, list for the, uh, the non-off list. Yeah. Basically, he's diving into a... By the way, it's the most ridiculous... Yeah. It. it's ridiculous when you watch it again to see the whole premise you're like, oh. it's like you have to use your eyes the, the temp- sweat the, the temperature sweat goes up yeah a drop of water it'll go off i'm like damn they could have just locked it up yet like two minutes later there's a mouse walking around and nothing oh, yeah. goes off doesn't make sense actually and i was i was listening to uh, a podcast uh, earlier that talked about this scene too and they mentioned something like a very simple solution of why didn't they just turn off the computer yeah. <laughs> why isn't that a security protocol and i was like dude oh, 96 you know how long it took to reboot a computer yeah. <laughs> are you crazy it would have taken like 15 minutes you're like fuck every time this guy has to go poo jesus um i love that scene though man that was a good scene it's such a good scene especially building up the tension of it and like gene reno's like holding him with that rope and he's just struggling and he's just like you can see the sweat yeah through his gloves <laughs> everybody's just sweating profusely this scene <laughs> It's just like no AC apparently, and they're just no. sweating their ass off. Oh, they they had to turn they, the, they the HVAC it. system off. That's why. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. But, or they had to tweak it because the room is temperature controlled. Right. So if it raised up a degree or something, which by the way, wouldn't that mean they'd have the HVAC on? Yeah. It shouldn't be cold. I don't know. Don't don't think too much. Into yeah. It. If on. you think too much on these movies, it'll just ruin it for you. But no, regardless, though, that scene, I think, where he almost hits the ground and starts waving his arms is probably the most memorable scene from this oh, movie. Yeah. Floating, it's... suspended in air like that. Yeah. It, you cannot say, you if even if you haven't seen the film, you've seen that scene. Somewhere. It's still iconic. It's super iconic to, today. Yeah. Yeah. I love that one. And then, of course, the last one, the death of Weinstein. In a way, I'd have to say, though, out of all the movies, this is the one where Tom Cruise probably didn't put himself directly into danger too hard. No. Regardless, though, it's the bullet train scene where he is trying to stop um, Jim Phelps and Krieger. And I really like that scene, too. Even it's, though you can tell it's like a green screen, I think. 
It's still good. I'm pretty though. sure yeah. the, the scene still holds up because of the time that the I mean, it's a 22 year old movie, and it still holds up, and it's intense, and you can still feel like you know something's about to happen here at any moment type of feeling. So I liked it definitely. Well, what I want to end off on this one though is was there anything about this? those are what I liked. Um, what I didn't like me personally is I think the the plot is still a little bit convoluted. Uh, it does take a couple watches, I think, to really get it down. But once you do, you realize it's a pretty solid story. And then um, one other thing I wanted to bring up is the sort of love triangle, I guess, he has with Claire, Emmanuel, uh, played by the, uh, Emmanuel Bert. Bert? It's a French name, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's apparently the fucking wife of, to Jim Phelps. And I always felt like it was really forced. <laughs> To a degree, yeah. She's and, like uh, betraying him, but he's like, I don't ever feel like Ethan's ever like, yeah, I like her. Yeah, it's, it feels sort of like she's trying to control him by like playing sort out his of seductive, yeah, yeah, just sort of like trying to seduct him or seduce him, but it doesn't. She work does 100%. a terrible job then. And then I I read a, a trivia on IMDb that there was supposed to be a love triangle that they completely cut from the movie it's weird because as a kid i felt like i saw that and yeah. then when i'm watching this i'm like oh they don't they don't do anything it was fun fact it was in the trailer and well, they cut it from the oh, from the okay. final cut because okay. you do see it in the trailer oh okay which That's i cool. haven't seen the the trailer to to find it but i'm just i'm just going off by what the trivia says so oh wow okay correct me if i'm wrong i didn't have too much of a problem with that i guess because okay. i sort of it didn't take away from, especially with the sequels, it yeah. didn't really take away from his character. I gotcha. If it was just a one film, it probably would have helped a lot. So what are you guys' uh, closing thoughts on this, uh, Nabil? Uh, I thought it was a great film. Uh, it's a good, solid spy film. Very convoluted, as, as James says. We'll just expect it if you're getting a good spy film. But honestly, compared to a lot of other movies, the way they tie up all the loose ends, they really just kind of, it's all clean by the end of it. Nice. What about you, Marco? Uh, I agree with Nabil. I like I liked it. I think it still holds up. And if you saw this movie back in the day, or if you're a little older and watch it today, I I think the plot is uh, a little easier to follow as opposed to being young and watching this yeah. movie. Yeah. I do, however, think that some of the tech is super dated, like their internet searches. Yeah. The way <laughs> their course. their computer programs work. I'm like, oh, I'm just grinding my teeth, thinking, man, that's so super dated. Luther's super like, 90s. not like me, and then he's just basically and, googling that shit. And, and, like, and oh, lastly, cool. it's it's a very very 90s movie. The camera angles aren't that crazy. It's very they're very stagnant. The 90s it's action a, movies are ooh. very still, and they just follow the action yeah. across. It's almost like. Because Brian De, Brian De Palma is kind of an old school director, it kind of shows with like how he's doing it, basically. So yeah, that's how I, I interpret it. But yeah. yeah, awesome. All right, and let's move on to the next movie in the series. That's Mission Impossible Two. Sorry I barged in on your vacation. This is your mission, should you choose to accept it. Since you are a member of your armed force, be caught and killed. The secretary will disavow all knowledge of your actions. (laughs) 
So this movie came out in 2000. It actually came out four years after the original. And the basic plot of the movie goes like this. IMF agent Ethan Hunt is sent to Sydney to find and destroy a genetically modified disease called Chimera. It was directed by uh, the great John Woo, who did Hard Boiled in 1992, Face Off in 97, and Wind Talkers in 2002. And of course, it stars the original Tom Cruise playing Ethan Hunt. With his uh, beautiful long hair in this one. Like oh, yeah. Says. I feel like yeah. that's an objective. View, I wrote by that. Way. By the that's, way, I wrote that. Marcus saying accurate. it, but guess what? I know you all agree. Yeah, yeah no, it, it definitely was. I was hoping you'd say something about the hair. This motherfucker's hair yeah. in this one is Luxurious. Panting Pro V good. Yeah. Like, like we said, the hair is going to be a, a common theme oh, in, yeah. in these movies, all right? So just get ready for it. Uh, returning to play Luther is uh, Ving Rhames, and it introduces Thandie Newton as Nia Hall. Running the IMF this time, because as we mentioned before, it seems to change directors. In For almost, no reason. Yeah, in almost way. every movie without Politics, any man. explanation Politics. whatsoever. So in this movie, it's run by the great Anthony Hopkins, and he plays Mission Commander Swanbeck. By the way, did you like him? No, not you know, at all. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I like the, the two minutes that he was in this movie, because he just disappears. He says one of the corniest lines in the entire... He, uh, I, I think it's one of the greatest lines of mine, too. <laughs> Actually, but you know what? No, it was pretty I shitty. really like Anthony Hopkins, though. I, 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 I like wish he had come whole. back. I liked him, too. And it's weird that they just sort of paid him his fee, filmed his scene, and then said, Sign Here's art. something, though. I forgot that he comes back at the end. Oh, yeah. Does he? That's yeah, right. he's in two scenes, actually. In the very beginning, where he introduces him, and then at the very end. I, see, I only remember him. And each time, each interaction... It's about the vacation. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. He's like, it wouldn't be a vacation then. He really like, he really wants Ethan Hawke to catch a break, man. Although I do think it's funny that they start out with saying it wouldn't be a holiday if I, if you uh, told me. And then he said vacation the rest of the time for the Americans. N- wow. Bill, you, you seem to know a lot about this movie. Is this your favorite? You don't have to tell me now. We'll, we'll, we'll get to the countdown. There's a but... pretty epic motorcycle scene I had to prep oh. James for. <laughs> oh, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, I... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for, furthermore, um, uh, we have an IMF agent that we never see again, uh, played by John Polson. He plays Billy Baird, who's a crazy Australian guy. This James is, wrote that also. Yeah, I, 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 this I, is, by the way, the start of a trend where we see an IMF agent only for one movie, yeah. and then we never see those fuckers again. It's a big group, man. No, and it's mostly because Billy Baird is a terrible character. Oh yeah, true. Like, I forgot who I didn't even know his name until he's not I looked memorable. It up. But you got to remember the line that's spoken after each mission brief that they get is your mission should you choose to accept. So maybe <laughs> these guys just never choose it again. They're like, like fuck nah. this guy. Ethan Hawke's crazy. They're like, I didn't really have fun last time. Yeah, we're good. Uh, the IMF agents that betray everyone in this movie is Sean Ambrose, played by Dougree Scott, and. The villain of this of this movie is also Sean Ambrose, played by Dougie Scott. Yeah, he's yeah. it's a double. Now, when when before we get uh, into some of the notes of this episode, I just want to say that this is actually the first movie in the series, and probably the only one in which they actually do a mission. Yeah, uh, where they they're actually not, no, you're you're kind of right. Yeah. yeah, officially official mission, yes. Without it being about like. Oh, this guy. Oh, I mean, he does betray everyone. He gets betrayed, but there's still... It, the IMF has not been disavowed or disbanded or put on pause. 
True. And at the end, he's still reporting to the director. And actually, they're aware of who the mole is. Yeah. It's not like they find out halfway, like, oh, shit, the mm-hmm. guy giving me the info yeah. is the bad guy. But when there, there's some other elements of it that change. But going into it, there's a notable Tom Cruise writing scene, of course. And in this movie, it happens to be uh, when Ethan Hunt is escaping the building after Nia injects herself with the Chimera virus. It was also shot in slow motion. Yep, just yeah. like the first well, one. Well, uh, John Woo, of John course. Woo. And did anybody notice the dual pistols? Dual, okay, only time he does dual pistols, mm-hmm. it's a hard-boiled reference. Yep. And you know what? It's pretty badass. Yes, it is. <laughs> Dude, he's sweating profusely. Too. I, I, in think, the background. I, I swear, like, 75% of this movie is in slow motion. And you get that tone right from the intro. Because I... I knew the tone of this movie right when you see Ethan Hunt at the beginning get his mission from those sunglasses. Are those Oakleys? Those Oakleys, yeah. And they were specifically made for him, by the way. Oh, yeah. No, I guess. And then he takes the Oak after getting his mission, and he accepts it, obviously. And it gets the, uh, this mission will self-destruct in in five seconds or whatever. He throws the Oakleys at the screen and they just burst into flames. 90s as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. I see I see where this is going. I was now. like, I see the tone. I see mm-hmm. the tone we're doing they here. They set it up pretty early. It's, and of it, course, it was in slow motion. Oh, yeah. there's a Dude, do you notice that from the first movie to this one, he somehow learned Kung Fu? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a martial arts master. <laughs> dude, he's rolling up on guys and doing front flips to like oh, knock them out. He's doing a lot of kick moves. Like, when did he start? And uh, guess what? He never does these again in any of the other yeah, movies. Yeah, guys, it's uh, John Woo. Did you guys see Face Off? I mean, come on. Well, that's why they gave him the scripts. I mean, how many times does somebody play Tom Cruise as Tom Cruise? Yeah, g- going back, <laughs> really back, were you guys, when you saw this movie, did you were you guys excited that John Woo was doing this movie? Uh, as a kid, I didn't I know had who no John idea. Woo was. No, no reference. Um, it wasn't until later that I realized who John Woo was because I, I don't think I even watched Hard Boiled till high school, probably. Yeah, which was several years after, probably seven or eight years after this. So college, I think actually. No, but he did uh, Face Off. See, I had even, no idea. I didn't know. Oh man, see, I I knew yeah. that only. See, okay. I again, I've mentioned this before, but I had a cousin that worked at a movie theater, and so like he would fill me in on mm-hmm. info about actors and directors and stuff all the time. So I kind of followed certain directors and actors. And so okay. when I found out that this is the same guy that did Face Off, I was like, "Oh wow, this is going to be so good!" And I was so juiced for this movie. I will say to be disappointed that this movie, when I was a kid, I thought it was better than the first one because, really? as you guys knew, the first one I was confused a lot, yeah. and this one was a lot more straightforward. I feel like they were going for more of a like a James Bond feel to this one with just a lot of a lot of the action, American kind of like yeah, red, really red light on kind of plot yeah. though. Go, going off of that though, James, I'm gonna ask the bill this: Do you think the plot was a little too simple for this? Honestly, if you mute all the noise of John Woo. The plot is essentially the bad guy has a virus and he's trying to get a company, which is pretty genius for a bad guy. He tries to blackmail this company to up the stocks and let the virus out because he has the antidote and he can make money off of it. Yeah, I will admit I mean, that that was a pretty, pretty, pretty smart, simple and pretty well, smart. That was pretty smart guy. of him to do. Yeah. He almost legitimizes his plan yeah. that way. James, what about you? What did you think? Yeah, it's simple. They even say at one point where, like, when they're in the shack with. Um, Billy, Luther, and Ethan, they're talking about the plan, and then I think Luther's like, that's it? And then yeah. he's like, that's it. that's it. And it's almost like a direct um, 
like fuck you to the first one. Like, you know, <laughs> like we're we're not going to confuse the audience. No, seriously, yeah. they're like, well, that's it. That's all we got to do. That's Get the virus, do. destroy the virus. It should what? be enough. Simple we're done. enough. I be. I don't think the plot was was too simple. I thought it was just about right, and I did actually like the villain in this movie, even though he's a little over the top. I think Dugger Scott did a good job. At I think just, he's terrible at I being menacing. Bad. But I mean, he's for the type of movie that it is that that. Yeah, that it is. It was it was just like the perfect amount of cheesiness for this. Does he have a mouthful of spit in every scene? <laughs> I feel like he was like trying to ruin his plan the whole time. Like he was so emotional because of his girlfriend. And Dude, then he even knows against Tom Cruise. Dude, he knows she's like, betraying him, and yeah. he's like, mm, "We'll do like, with he, it." But he's, he's, he's a comic plan. book villain, basically. Oh, he I is mean, essentially, yeah. That's right. Which and, uh, is funny because he was supposed to be yeah. Wolverine, <laughs> yeah. But because this movie went. Um, it was Upside delayed down. and it went on a few months. He had a choice to like choose between the two and he's like, I'm gonna stick with Mission Impossible. Mm, poor move. Hey, we would have never got um Hugh Jackman. Yep. But True. it's funny because even like David Chen and the film cast was saying like some of his lines in this movie are fucking terrible. They are. He's like, I'm gonna make us a lot of money. <laughs> I was like, Oh shit, that was his line. <laughs> it's but I mean, the whole movie is. He's a James Bond handy. villain. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. He's the most Bond villain out of mm, maybe all of them. I yeah yeah the whole like global domination and I'm talking or, like Pierce or, Brosnan, James Bond villain. Yeah, because they get pretty good afterwards. Yeah. Well, movies started to compete with the Pierce Brosnan. No, and you can tell you can James tell. Bond movies in this. They wanted a little more like like Nibble said, like the Americanized version of James Bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's even a scene where him and Nia are driving and going against each other. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've Knight. seen this in a yeah. James Bond That's film. That's from Goldeneye. Is it yeah. okay? <laughs> like that whole scene, I was like, That's and once again, slow motion spinning, mm-hmm. and they just lock eyes. I was like, Ooh, John Woo, you crazy. All right, the big the big heist moment in this movie happens to be breaking into Biosite, which is the site that uh, has, has, the, has yeah. the Chimera, and it's in order to destroy the the remaining Chimera samples. Which um, once again brings about where he is um, suspended mere inches off the floor. Yeah, as a uh, yeah, which by the way, the all of them one. have a callback to the first movie to do that. I actually think that. Yeah, no, you're right. It is, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, every one of them. Even Fallout did. Huh. I mean, it's a, it's an, again, it's an iconic moment. It is. So yeah. so many sources and media try to copy I think that. Tom Cruise, really, by the way, Tom Cruise is the executive producer. Oh, these are his movies, force. by the yeah, way. He's yeah. a driving force. He, he made a decision early on that he was going to redo this television show and make this his franchise. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's front and center. He makes all the big decisions on these. And that's also why I believe he's allowed to do a lot of these stunts because financing-wise, I think he's in charge of like, "Well, no, I can do this." Yeah, he also sometimes lies to the insurance companies, but Yeah, I'm sure um, they believe. I think it, he so. lied about this movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he lied and said, "No, no, no, I'm not going to do the majority of my stunts." But he's not going to anyway. jump off a motorcycle and just walk on the ground for no reason. <laughs> um Wait, what? So <laughs> the the height, going back to the heist though. I honestly think that's probably the best scene in the movie. Is that heist? I, I like it, the dual pi- dual pistols. Dual pistols, yeah, pretty he's good. Rocking the dual pistols, and it it's only like, it's like only Neo, like thirty seconds, mm-hmm. man. Plus, it's just a, a pretty nice, intense, action-packed gunfight. You know, it's, they're they're yeah. in a con- tight, contained area, and it's like handguns shooting at each other. I thought it was pretty. Oh, cool. the the close quarter combat scenes where he's just shooting up like. In, in the cave, inside the, the lab, and even when they're on a the motorcycle, like those scenes are the best scenes. There's, he does the action yeah. really well. 
everything else about this film is garbage, in my opinion. We'll, we'll, and we'll and we'll but get to that. Those scenes are like really well done and executed. I think the the death defying stunt in this movie that crazy ass Tom Cruise happened to do was actually at the beginning of this film, yeah. and it is the mountain climbing scene at the beginning where yeah. like the camera is just like panning around. And you see. Tom Cruise, like this was like the start of him doing the pretty crazy shit where you're like, oh, did he really do that? And like, yeah, he really did that. Okay. Yeah, and, and climbing. It's actually something that wouldn't get called back until much later in the series, and it's super because cool. it's just I don't know. He never uses Kinda nice, yeah. Like, I was like, nice callback. Cool. He, yeah, he never uses it in this film. Really, he he's yeah. just started. He's mountain climbing, but. Uh, final thoughts. I know we went over some of the best scenes in the movie. What about what what didn't work? What were some of the worst moments in the, in this movie, or what are some moments that you think were dated in this movie? And let's start with you, Nabil. Oh, there are a lot of bad moments in this film. A lot of the writing is bad. Um, dialogue, I, the dialogue as a whole. I'm going to tell you one thing <laughs> that I do script. think they they do really well at first, and that's um, Thandie Newton's character, Nia Hall. They kind of show her as somebody who can carry her own in the beginning. <laughs> But then I mean, a little bit, I think so. Like she's white yeah. cracking, like she's got some personality. But then about halfway through the film, she's just somebody who's draping Damsel herself. Yeah. yeah, and I, yeah. I thought that was a really poor use of her because they set her up to be like, okay, she's gonna be her own thing, and then be like, I'm in love with you, Tom. I don't or Ethan, and you know I can't do anything, <laughs> you know, Ethan without Hunt you. Is yeah, Tom Cruise. Yeah. basically. So that so I thought that was probably uh, just a poor use of the character as a whole because she was just kind of there, yeah, you know, just to, to drive the plot. What about you, James? Yeah, I agree with Nabil. It's another forced romance. Yeah, it's like, man, Tom, stop doing this to yourself, man. Uh, I never. It's never believable to me. Um, the action when it does happen, don't get me wrong, it's pretty good. The motorcycle scene gets a little over the top, though. Yeah. As I'm bringing up, he does some stuff that's just stupid. He jumps off, and he's like, when he's sliding, sliding on the chicken. side, sliding right. on the that's- side to not get shot. I'm like, mm-hmm. you're more of a target now. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I thought I was gonna uh, that I was gonna point out that was really shitty it was the motorcycle scene didn't yeah. like that um, which is funny because as a kid I thought the motorcycle scene was dope mm-hmm. and then you know um, I never liked it Rogue and Nation, I didn't, I didn't like how, they, how uh, uh, a motorcycle scene should yeah. go yeah. I don't like how they both jumped and hugged each other in midair Ma- too thought it was so just what did someone say what if the guy garbage. didn't jump yeah I know yeah <laughs> so but overall this is easily the worst one in my opinion mm-hmm. Uh, they tried to change the tone a little bit too much, and by going with a prolific kind of martial artist director, it just didn't fit too well. I agree. Definitely the worst one in the series. All right, so let's go take a look at the next film of the franchise, the one that brought it back to life, in my opinion, Mission Impossible 3. You have a, a wife, girlfriend? Whoever she is, I'm going to find her. And then I'm going to kill you right in front of her. So Mission Impossible 3 was made in uh, 2006. Uh, this is actually the uh, first film that J.J. Abrams gets involved with. Yes. and uh, Directed and, and his production company yeah. going forward pretty much it. And, and really just kind of, you know, puts the life back into the uh, franchise, in my opinion. So it's about 
Ethan Hunt, he comes into a conflict with a dangerous and sadistic arms dealer who threatens his life and his fiance in response. Um, so directed by J.J. Abrams. Of course, J.J. is known for Star Trek, uh, Super 8, uh, the Star Wars Force Awakens. Uh, Never heard of that one. Yeah, I think that's that's probably a low-budget film. Oh, okay. indie one. These, are all, indie these are all indies, right? Yeah. Indies, yeah. Jeez. Um, uh, of course, it returns uh, Tom Cruise's lead as Ethan Hunt, short hair. Yeah, Very short. Back, back to the classic. Yeah, back to classic. Yeah, back to basics here. Ving Rhames, Luther. Uh, Michelle Monaghan, she plays Julia, which is uh, Ethan Hunt's uh, love interest. Uh, Carrie Russell, Liz, uh, Lindsay Ferris. And Simon Pegg is introduced in this film as Benji, Benji Dunn. So, and the person in charge of IMF this time is Lawrence Fishburne, um, who plays uh, Theodore Brazel. By the way, once again, I liked him. Yeah, I actually like Lawrence Fishburne yeah. in this film. Every time they introduce someone, so far, they've been really good, and they just never come back. With no explanation. No. Nope. Politics. All. He could also be considered an IMF agent we never see again. Yeah. Very true. This is also, I think this has the longest time between sequels, too, because the last Six one was, years. Yeah, yeah. a long time. Yeah. Well, I think for the longest time, they weren't sure the franchise was going to come back, so. True. Yes, true. But, but this uh, brought some new life, like I said, into it. And speaking of the IMF agents we never see again, Jonathan Rice Myers as uh, Declan Gormley and Maggie Q is in this film, which I think is great, Zen Lei. Which, I agree, Maggie Q is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, once again, I, I this franchise kind of struggles until the last two movies to find a really strong like female lead. Yeah. Or even like a female protagonist. Or just a, a team that they could continue on to the next franchise which, i think this yeah. i think this which movie I think is what they keep trying to do and just don't feel like it yeah works. this movie aside from bringing life back into the series is the one where they actually start to formulate their style it's not quite right but they're starting to kind of understand what these movies are i even like jonathan rice myers actually yeah man. he was good the scene where he's doing like the italian thing like if the dude didn't have a no offense to the guy a huge drug problem yeah. he probably might have been in the next movie but this guy went from... He was funny, too. I mean, he was making the quips yeah. about the helicopter thing. And yeah. So. Or he's like, well, we never get to go with him, blah, blah. I was like, well, <laughs> stop, stop doing drugs. <laughs> the, vil- the villain in this film, which I think is actually probably, in my opinion, like the best villain in the franchise, it was uh, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman as Owen Davian. I agree. Yeah. Hands down, the best villain in the franchise. I don't know if he's the best anymore, because, I mean, but... So, first solid one yeah, yeah definitely the first solid and one. obviously performance wise amazing super strong so yeah so this film essentially um shows ethan is you know kind of settled he's a trainer in the imf now um he's got a fiance trying to live a normal life he's domesticated he has yes. been domesticated and he's trying he gets called back in to go uh save one of his former uh, trainees um who got captured and they brought him into the to the fall to be able to try to save her things happen and uh not for the good reason and then they kind of he he's trying to get kind of revenge to find out what's going on and find out what happened to his trainee and ends up meeting philip seymour often so so james what what do you think about this one what were your thoughts also you forgot the imf agent that betrays everyone (laughs) which is billy crudup by the way guys once again sticking with the theme he plays john musgrave that's right. He, did, he oh, I forgot Billy Kudrup was in this. I yeah, think, that's right. as you know, sorry, I just want to add that just so we're sticking to the thing. This is a really solid movie. This is yeah. the first one. I think, 
I didn't even watch this when it first came out. I saw it in theaters, though, I remember, because I was uh, just graduating high school or just had or maybe like a month before. Mm-hmm. But, you know, back then I, I never watched Alias, so I didn't know who J.J. Abrams was and all that stuff. But I think this has a great mix of action. It definitely sets the tone for the rest of the movies. I think this yeah. is where they finally find the tone of these movies, the yeah. right blend of plot and action with um, characters that you actually care about. I'd say that this one has very memorable people. Outside, you know, Ethan and Luther, don't get me wrong, the two are really well done, and their progression throughout the films is kind of shows you why actions and fallout happen. Um, hands down, though, like you said, Owen Davian is great. Yeah. And, um, for instance, one of the notable scenes that we have here, too, is the heist where they kidnap him, for instance. I think that's still one of the best um, kind of getting away with it scenes in the entire series from them going into the bathroom finally showing you how the masks are made by the yeah, way which yeah which is pretty cool i really enjoyed that it, it it ups the ante with the tech in yes this. and I'm, wow i was like wow they really printing it. they even started doing 3d printing back then i was like yes and like when he's coughing with like the the wine i was like oh that's yeah. so cool uh this movie when i saw it not again, to mention, again not to stop marco though first two i want to bring it up uh the beginning scene how they open it is super intense that's yes. exactly where I was going. Uh, the beginning of this movie has more talent and more depth in that intro than the entirety of Mission Impossible 2. And that's that's why I say like it, Philip Seymour Hoffman in that yeah. role just is like, he was just intimidating off the bat. Yeah, I, I remember, because they show that actually in the trailer, they use that tidbit in the trailer, and I remember just thinking, wow, this looks freaking epic, and it definitely pays off. Yeah. Like, he's menacing, he's intimidating, and he does it without even really raising his voice, which is really cool, as a, as opposed to the previous villain that was just like screaming and yelling. Oh all yeah, the time. he's got that. He's mm-hmm. he's definitely like cool, calm, relaxed, crazy. You know. But it it bring this movie brings things back to the heist mode of things because the the previous one didn't really have a heist. It was just sort of a quick pseudo break in. But this one brings back the team building, the fact that this is the impossible task that we got to do, and that we all have our own segmented parts in order right. to complete the task. I like that. Such a cool scene where he like jumps the fence in the Vatican, drops down, switches out into a priest outfit, and just keeps oh, walking. It's yeah. like really well done. Yeah, and one and speaking of running, uh, one of the <laughs> one of the notable <laughs> running scenes here was uh, Tom Cruise running, uh, and I'm going to quote this: "Hella far to get to Julia before she's actually killed in China." He does and run hella far. He's running far, and I'm going to tell well, you, Benji. I mean, Benji's used as a GPS here, telling him where to go, left and right and right and left and up and down and wherever. Which is, by the way, Simon Pegg in this one is not very, he's more of just a side, he's a tech super guy. side yeah. character. He's a tech like, guy over there. Yeah. yeah. He's he's the guy in the chair. It's yeah. before he becomes a much more bigger player in this kind yeah. of universe. And it's it's fun to see like his, from that role going on forward for the next uh, four movies, actually. Mm-hmm. It's, it's when they start to introduce that witty comedy, and Simon Pegg really helps add to that element and add some light moments. To the I movie. super agree because I think this is it was the movies were always lacking a kind, it was either too serious or super too corny. Yeah, so I think with Simon Pegg's uh in the film, it helps it even out. it out. Yeah. And one of the big death-defying uh, stunts here was uh, all the base jumping he did from um, that very tall building in Shanghai, um, which, which was crazy. Yeah, which was just really crazy. And where you really got to see a lot of uh, Ethan Hunt improvising, he's like, we're just going to figure it out, you know, kind of thing. Oh, he's like it, in desperation mode. He's yeah. like, we yeah. got to find some way. Yeah. 
It's weird. It kind of had uh, that Dark Knight vibe where, kinda, where right. Batman Bruce Wayne is kinda, also yeah. in China mm-hmm. and he does that based. Of course, he uses a cape, mm-hmm. you know, my favorite in that. But uh, this one, I kind of had, even though this movie came out two years, be- yeah, two years before The Dark Knight, yeah. it still sort of had that kind of vibe to it. So I thought was pretty cool. I think action-wise, those scenes that they do have is very good, but um, really, it's it's the acting that really amps it up and yeah. just tone they set and both both not just from Philip Seymour Hoffman but from Tom Cruise too. Um, you get to see the motivation of Ethan Hunt finally and seeing what's grounding him and what drives him to to be a part of the IMF and keep doing these. You things. You finally kind of care for the character. Yeah, and before it's just like yeah. a cool guy who just knew things or whatever, you know. Yeah. So um, I think that's what really sells it. But uh, what about you, Marco? What were your overall thoughts of the film? Anything good or bad? Uh, it's one of my favorite ones in the entire series. I think it's really good. It still holds up. It's got a great blend of of action, comedy, and drama. The scene when uh, they're they're transporting Owen Davian on the bridge, and just like a, a chopper comes out and starts like bla- or a drone, excuse me, yeah, and a drone. chopper yeah. come out just Jesus. blasting, yeah. and they have that whole shootout on the bridge. And there's an explosion that pushes Tom Cruise onto a car. I thought that was just so epic. And I was like, oh, man, this is kind of like True Lies type thing. <laughs> I don't know I'm comparing this movie to like 20 other different movies. But I just, I liked those like kind of like subtle references and those similarities. So um, I don't think there's much that didn't work in this movie. Like even the tech is not that dated because it's in the 2000s. So there's not much of a gap between then and now. So. Yeah. What about you, James? What were your thoughts? And um, also, can you tell us what the hell the rabbit's foot is again? (laughs) So yeah, that's one. There's two things I don't like about this movie. Um, First off, when it's revealed who the uh, IMF agent, when you find out that it's Musgrave, that's the bad guy. I feel like it's kind of a quick cut to like going from him to the end of the movie. Yeah. Owen Davian, uh, as good as a bad guy he is, J.J. Abrams just didn't know what to do with him and how to end it. Because his True. death scene is terrible. Yeah, it's and so it abrupt. Ends, by the way, would he be able to take Tom Cruise on one on one? I'd never believe that. He might that. be like the Kingpin in Spider Man. No, fuck Tom no. Muscle. I've seen this guy walk. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I've seen Magnolia. Hell no. First, yeah, he dies. He just looks up, gets killed. I was like, damn, what a cheap way. Yeah, I do think yeah. that was a waste. It would have been like, cool to have on. him as a bad guy. Yeah. And then when you find out that he's not actually essential to the plot at all, no. I was like, ah, shit. Because then, once again, yeah, what is the rabbit's foot? We never find no out. It's, it's the classic J.J. Abrams thing where he throws something in there. Some lost shit. Yeah, where He's you don't like, know what it is, and then you don't know how to He's end like, your it shit. It doesn't matter how it is. It doesn't matter who Ray's parents are now. What the fuck, J.J.? Yeah. <laughs> and then lastly, it ends terribly like a fucking, sh- like an episode of a TV show. Oh, such a happy ending. Like, a little too happy for it me. It gets... First off, they let um, Julia into the IMF. Oh, sorry, Julia. Now you, you know, know everything. Now. Now. She finally meets Luther. They're like, I've been hearing a lot about you. <laughs> and then there's this scene where they're just smiling and holding hands and walking off into the sunset. I was like, whoa, what I, is this? I think they didn't know they were going to do more, though, I think, at this time. Oh, Did they, they, they probably weren't Tom sure Cruise is crazy enough. He's like, I know. True, but they... they Probably it was probably like a like a red herring ending where they're just like ah oh, it's the end. You I know, think no it's more. you can tell it's J.J. Abrams' first film and he's like yeah. this is how I end my episodes of my shows. Uh yeah, basically very true. Oh alias yeah. All right guys, so three down, three to go. All right, so the next film we are going to go over here is Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. Come check, we're live. 
Target acquired. What the hell is that? Abort. Ethan, what happened in the Kremlin? It was a setup. The Russians are classifying this as an undeclared act of war. The blame points to you and your team. The president has initiated ghost protocol. The entire IMF has been disavowed. So what happens now? Your mission, should you choose to accept. All right, so this one was released in 2011. So kind of a big gap on this one too, actually. Second yeah. biggest one. Five years from uh, Mission Impossible 3. Because technically Mission Impossible 3 didn't do as well as they wanted no, to. So this was also when they were like, hey, are these going to... We're going to make any more money off these. Are we going to fucking do this or not? Yeah. Yeah. So a little summary from IMDb is, The IMF is shut down when it's implicated in the bombing of the Kremlin, causing Ethan Hunt and his new team to go rogue to clear their organization's name. Uh, This was directed by Brad Bird. So this was his first actual um, live action movie he directed. He only had done animated films before that. So he Iron Giant in 1999, Incredibles in 2004. And he also did Incredibles 2, by the way. And... uh, you know, lightning doesn't strike twice always because they needed Tomorrowland in 2015 as well. Very disappointing. Okay, so once again, it's starring Com, uh, Com, Com Cruise, Jesus, uh, starring Tom Cruise, and guess what? Long hair's back, baby. Mm-hmm. Not as nice as the second one. No, I gotta but say, but not bad though. Not bad. No. It's close. He it was gets trying. Close. He was trying. Um, Ving Rhames shows up as well at the very end. Just want to let you know. Uh, Simon Pegg is back as Benji, Benji. and uh, we have a new agent here, Jeremy Renner, who plays a mysterious guy that's supposed to be an analyst named brand but there's more to his story and we'll spoil it for you so this time around the imf is being run by tom wilkinson who is the secretary he's actually uncredited he's killed within five seconds i was about to say that's why he was running it for the first 15 seconds and then dies uh the imf agent that we never see again after this movie is paula Patton. she plays jane who has a chip on her shoulder because her love interest in the film is killed in the very beginning, which leads her on a chase to find out what the fuck's going on. Mm-hmm. So that's like kind of too. in real life. Yeah, yeah. and actually, first movie where an IMF agent does not betray anyone. Yeah, that's crazy. First one, four movies in, and they were like, "Let's stop doing this, guys." There's got there's real threats in the world. You think they could also use that as a way to make this also a mission heavy, like movie, and not one where, or maybe one where the villain was better. Which is weird, because <laughs> speaking of villains, there's technically two of them. Only really one, if you think about it. None of um, them are memorable, either. One of them's really pretty. That's about it. <laughs> and I'm talking about Ny- Michael Nyquist. <laughs> <laughs> Who was famous for the girl in the dragon tattoo he Swedish was. films. Yes. But uh, he plays a guy named Hendrix here. And truthfully, the plot... This is where I think the weakness of this movie is, is that the plot of why he's doing like this nuclear damage to people and blowing things up is to somehow get people to think about nuclear create a new world order world order which is technically he writes some kind of paper because he's a um so he's like a professor that wrote some which by the way is similar to fallout now that i think about it. yeah i was thinking it's like uh are you are you talking about this one or fallout yeah, bro where basically he <laughs> thinks a new world order will arise from the destruction of the planet he, basically yeah well he's he's trying to get fucking countries crazy. to nuke each other yeah, yeah. He's, yeah and he's and he's basically framing the imf that they did damage to russia then russia thinks it's america and russia it's actually very him. similar to a james bond plot now that i'm saying it out loud but it works 
it works to a point. And uh, the other bad baddie here, the villainess, is uh, Leah Sedu, who plays Sabine Moreau, which is actually a... Technically, she did not need to be in this movie, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Maybe she was just the motivation for Paul She Patton. likes diamonds, and yeah. also she's working for Hendrix in a way, but not really. Technically, both films just really didn't need to be in this movie, man. Yeah. Yeah. The villain is the worst part, which is weird, because when I first saw this movie, I thought... It, I was like, that was solid. But then after, because, you know, as an appreciation of watching them all back to back, I now realize I'm like, oh, villain in this one's really weak. So it's it starts off strong, too, because you see him blowing up the Kremlin and it's he's doing like the anti IMF mission work where instead of trying to stop stuff, he's trying to start it. And you think it's going to be interesting. And then doesn't it never goes anywhere it doesn't pay off truthfully i was still uh, even though i've seen this movie three or four times i'm like man still a little confused on why he wants to do this i don't think they give a like for instance i don't think they give a good reasoning of why he's doing it. no they even though they explain it to you yeah it's like that's it they had a chance to give it meaning too with the ending and we'll go into that later but yeah they could have had a way to tie it to something bigger and i was like oh that would have been cool but they it was a missed opportunity in my opinion one thing i do will say that this movie nails is the depth of buying stunt and the tom cruise running so for (laughs) instance a notable running scene here tom cruise is running through dubai to escape the impending sandstorm and i mean he is running and gunning it because the sandstorms behind him and i mean we get tom cruise at full tom cruise running speed in this movie oh yeah uh, whipping everywhere, hair back and forth, everything. He's got the goggles on. I mean, I think they put him in a real sandstorm, so he had to. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Uh, the big heist moment in this one is definitely when they are double crossing Sabine to retrieve the launch code documents yes. and the diamonds. Uh, I think that's a really well done scene. It's nothing it's as intense as Mission Impossible 3. No. But I will say it's really cool how they played it off because. For once, their tech doesn't work. Yeah, I kind of like that. It's like Which, a deconstruction of how they usually do things. Because the original plan was they were going to disguise themselves as Hendrix, and someone would disguise himself as Sabine, and then they're doing two different rooms, and that's how they're getting the diamonds, swapping them, getting Benji to give them back, and then they're printing it out in a... Because uh, Brandt has a device in his eye where he's blinking and basically um, screenshotting the uh, documents. <laughs> <laughs> which even I found kind of suspicious. He's just blinking a lot. Yeah, every know time why. he blinks, it's like, it's something like, in your eye, something, something wrong with you, white man? He's like, nope, just doing my thing. I'm just reading. Uh, but obviously the biggest moment in this movie, at least to me, and I think this is the one that most people, if you've seen Ghost Protocol, will probably identify with, is the fact that uh, Tom Cruise actually climbed the Burj Khalifa um, Tower. They were doing it for what seven or eight weeks. Something yeah. insane. And for those of you who don't know, the Burj Khalifa is like the tallest building in the world. So yeah, it's over two thousand feet tall. And he just casually skyscrapered that shit. Yeah. And he just you know, it's not walked. a thing for him. And he just you know, and he's holding and he's climbing it. And it's if you insane. saw it in IMAX, it was absolutely insane back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it, it it gave uh, Brad Bird the freedom to to do like these close up shots and not have to use trip photography to sh- to hide no. the fact that it was a stunt double. No, and he liked that the the fact that they were able to do that. And I think this is actually one of the movies where Tom Cruise lied to the insurance and said, <laughs> "I'm not going to do it for real." And he ended up doing it. <laughs> Tom showed up early that day. He's like ready to go. The Brad Bird's like, "I don't think you're supposed to be doing this, bro." He said, "Let's do it. We good. We good." He's like, "Just shoot." Yeah, he's like, just listen to me. I'm Tom Cruise. One thing I'm going to get into, what I don't like, though, 
other than the villain, obviously, is the ending, too, of how he takes care of himself by uh, jumping into a, a BMW and yeah. then driving off into a garage. Hey, he's got to get down, and he's got to get down fast. And yeah. I, mean, I mean, he does it because he's like, because he doesn't care if he lives or dies. And his whole point is like, if I die, you can't get to these launch codes, yeah. and then the missile will blow up, and America will retaliate and nuke Russia again back, right. too. So. Well, he strange, knew that. strangely enough, the nuke is aimed at San Francisco. Is. Which is weird. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool, though. But yeah, I thought that was kind of a letdown as well. Like, uh, I didn't like that at all, actually. I thought, it was, I thought it was creative. Like, the guy was willing to die for what he's trying to do, so he's jumping off the car because he okay. knows that, you know, Ethan Hunt's not going to be crazy enough to come down. Little did he know, honestly, is that, yeah, he's crazy enough to follow you. He's I was like, uh, he just climbed the Burj Khalifa set, yeah. <laughs> You don't know uh, Tom, I Tom Crazy Cruise, he right? He can strap himself in and drive a car over the edge of a right. rotating garage. Which yeah, is cool. this one is rotating parking garages. Um, yeah, I thought it was. I thought that was pretty good. I do agree the villain was a bit weak as a whole, but what what they lack in that part of the plot, just building the team and fleshing out some of the characters and then developing Ethan Hunt even more. It's definitely one of the first ones that you finally feel like the team has a kind of good chemistry with each other. Yeah, I especially like the fact that Benji has a bigger role in this movie. And got to be a field agent. He turns out to be a field agent. Yes, he's really cool. Um, I've never training. liked Jeremy Renner's character, by the way. No, they they make him really unlikable, honestly, in the film. I and it doesn't so get any first. better. But no, I, I liked him as he starts to explain his backstory, and, happened, and I was like, yeah. oh, okay, I, which I is fine. But then with Rogue Nation, he becomes almost like a comedic relief. Yeah, I I say weird. more the ground of anything, just being like, well, that just sounds crazy. Why would you do that? That makes no sense. Just call these people, you know. Yeah, that's true. Now, I do know that Jeremy Renner was in this film for a very specific reason. Yes. And that was to take over. Yeah, if if the film didn't succeed, he would be the face of the franchise. But then he realized that the world needed him as Hawkeye instead. (laughs) Because then he was like, wait, no one wants me to be the next Born uh, Legacy Legacy guy. That's what it is. He went in and said, I'm going to start this franchise. Back in the early... He was finding his place, but he would always be Back in the late 2000s, Jeremy Renner was going to take over all the franchises. Yeah. And they realize, He's like, Hawkeye should get a solo film too, right? They're like, yeah, yeah that'll happen. We might get one. Eventually. Stick around, champ. We'll see what'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'd have to say that every everything worked in this movie, with with the exception of the villain. I agree with James there, and it it got to the point where the villain in the chase scene is wearing a mask for some reason. It makes no sense. And he takes no. it off, and I'm I'm watching. I rewound it like. 30 seconds back, I'm like, did I miss something? I was Actually, like, what the fuck true. was the point of that? When he's pretending to be the other guy, I was like, <laughs> why? Yeah, there was no point. I actually was confused at Nobody that point. I, I went back and I was like, did I, did I miss a character? <laughs> nope. And then I was like, oh like wait, gave, what the hell? I gave no shits about it. They, truthfully, they could have had Sabine Moreau be a bigger villain. Mm. Because they you see her at the beginning and she takes out an IMF agent. And that could have been like something they could have gone off of speaking of, i i thought paula Patton was really good in this she one did too. really well she held herself this on, is probably on. one of the first like her and maggie q from three were really strong imf agents and they just don't bring them back yep well i think they tried to get maggie q but they had scheduling conflicts oh really so okay hmm. that would have been cool and even even further i do like how this sort of introduces the uh, organization for the next movie. Syndicate yeah. is Syndicate. mentioned in this And one. that's the missed opportunity I was talking about where they could have had everything this guy did connect to the Syndicate and it right. would have made everything make more more sense. But, hey, you know what? 
they did what they did. Yeah. Uh, any closing thoughts on it, Nabil? Um, I honestly, I thought it was, especially after watch waiting with five years for the last one, that yeah. was a great, like just action flick as a whole, especially mm-hmm. with the stunts. Um, and really got me excited for the next one, which was, uh, Rogue Nation. So uh, overall solid film, even with the villain. Um, I think it was a solid film. All right. And we're going to jump into the fifth installment of the Mission Impossible series. Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. The IMF is uniquely trained and highly motivated. Specialist without equal immune to any countermeasures. But it is an agency of chaos. The time has come to dissolve the IMF. Now, I want you to choose your next words very carefully. Where is Hunt? Last I heard, he was tracking... So this movie came out in 2015 and didn't have that much of a gap between its previous installment, only four years. And the basic plot of this movie goes, Ethan and team take on their most impossible mission yet, eradicating the syndicate. An international rogue organization, as highly skilled as they are, Committed to destroying the IMF. So this film is directed by Christopher McQuarrie, who did The Way of the Gun in 2000. Jack Reacher in 2012, another notable Tom Cruise movie. And speaking of which, it stars Tom Cruise as Ethan oh, Hawke. What a surprise. And he's got medium-sized hair this time, It's guys. not quite long, not, not quite, quite short. short. No. And he kind of rolls with it for the next two movies, guys. Yeah, he doesn't really know what it, end, where, end where, of an where, era. what it wants to be. End of an era. Uh, Ving Rhames comes back to play Luther. Simon Pegg comes back to play Benji Dunn. And Rebecca Ferguson is introduced as Isla Faust. Ilsa. Ilsa Faust. Ilsa Faust. Yes. I, I can't thought it was Isla too. Ilsa. <laughs> I don't care what these white women's names are. <laughs> Running the IMF in this movie is Alec Baldwin, who plays Alan Hunley. And he really only comes out... Kind of the end. He at takes the end. over. He yeah, a secretary. Yeah. And he's not really running the IMF at first. He's he started he's working for the he's CIA. Kind of hunting him down. He's yeah. I think he's the director of the CIA and there's yeah. no secretary right now for the IMF because you know, the secretary died. Well, because of the events of the previous right. film. This one it takes place almost immediately right after. This is one of the more direct sequels at, at least at I first. would say the last 3 films here are the ones that connect the most and make it the most references. It it's the one that makes the most yeah, these two make the most references of the previous installments, and it's also when they actually connected more to the original series again, because it turns out that the Syndicate was actually a big organization in the original series. Mm-hmm. And I correct me if I'm wrong, but none of us have seen the original series, right? No. no. Yeah, so I thought that was a pretty interesting fact, and the way that they were able to do that and modernize it, because from what I read, the original Syndicate was nothing but a bunch of mafia guys and in this one they're like the anti-IMF which I thought was pretty cool very much like we were talking about like a kind of specter yeah, organization specter. from yes. Spawn. so IMF agents that we never get to see continuing that that theme uh, Jeremy Renner actually as Brent um, he's only really in it sort of like an overwatch and a, a liaison so to speak between the IMF and the CIA yeah there's no action, I think, in this film at all. No, so, this, this is when he starts to have to fill in his commitments for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so he's not as available. And it starts in, in this film and continues into the next one. And we're talking about his character, Brent, not even him as an actor. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
the IMF agents who betray everyone in this movie is actually no one again for the second wow. time. They double well, dipped. Look on the this. IMF side, yes. Which, yes. There is yeah. betrayal. Yeah. Uh, the, the villain in this film, who I think is actually... I, he's he's one of my favorites of the franchise. Also, is uh, Sean Harris who plays Lane, and it's it's interesting because he's just very menacing as well without really being. He's pretty like, like physically daunting. Yeah. Very subtle. Yeah, he's he's not. I don't think he he's kind of creepy looking. But it the way the way the movie sets things up is when um, Tom Cruise at the beginning takes his mission at an old record shop. And fun fact, that's actually how they used to get some of their missions in the original. Uh, series as well. Oh, really? Okay. It was an old school record player. Another callback to this series. Cool. And when Lane just shows up and grabs the other agent outside of the booth that Tom Cruise is in, I'm sorry, Ethan Hawke, and just offs her Hunt. right there in front of him, and there's nothing he can do, and it just sets the tone and the stakes of this. I think and, it was cool because you think yeah. he's getting a mission, and then he's like, nope, this is the syndicate. We everything I was like, That's the whole creepy. time. Yeah. I was yeah. Like, oh, shit. I thought it was just pretty interesting and kind of like a nice little twist at the beginning that none of us see coming. Mm-hmm. At least I didn't see coming. The notable Tom Cruise running scene in this movie is chasing after Lane after disabling a bomb that's been attached to Benji. And I thought that chase scene was actually it was, it was pretty good. Yeah. It's not, not bad. bad. Yeah. What, what, uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Let's start with you, Nabil. Uh, I thought it was just the tone of it because it was in the, you know, Shroud of Darkness is at night yeah. trying to find him. Track him down. But really, he was leading him to some place. Like, that was all very well executed, I thought. Especially, like, eventually when Isla, uh, Ilsa and uh, uh, Ethan get separated. Mm-hmm. Um, just that whole she gets that thing. night fight. Yeah. That yeah. Just, it just keeps ramping up until the end. Yeah. Yeah, Please. no, I agree. It's a solid uh, uh, scene. I think the kind of talking through benji leading up to it it's really cool too yeah it's, it's kind of funny too yeah it's like oh that's weird mm-hmm. and the fact that they're like closing in on him and he has to kind of come up with something really quick to be to save them all it just kind of shows you kind of how ethan hunt um works and such so yeah i kind of like the way he sort of turns the tables on lane and yeah, he's offers like well you can do deal. this or you can kill me because i remembered all the codes yeah and he's like son of a bitch because apparently he's a human computer guys yeah i was like there's yeah. no way he knows yeah i was like he the fact that lane actually kind of fell for it was kind of didn't have much of a little choice bit. i was like I this guy actually like, believes well, him but it's either that or not i just yeah. got 50 mils so i probably need more from him yeah <laughs> A uh, big heist moment is the underwater dive to retrieve a secret file that needs access from the prime minister to expose the syndicate. This is where the plot goes. <laughs> there's there's a lot. If you this plot is actually it, a bit convoluted. There's a lot going on here, and a lot of places they go. Like I watched it like three times this just this recently, trying to understand the plot. And even before they get to the underwater dive scene, there's the whole idea of, you know, who the syndicate is and they're in Austria, you know, and trying to deal with who the bad guys are there. Just, and who, just the that fact is. that they're like an anti-IMF and like anybody could be part of the syndicate and yeah. how they established that at mm-hmm. the beginning, too. Because even before the sequence, there's the whole opera scene, yeah. which mm-hmm. I thought was just shot so well that's really well done mm-hmm. it's very intense with the opera going on you see an operative from the distance pointing a gun then you see uh there's almost too many operatives yeah, yeah. who the hell is you who see also right? fast as well and you're like what the fuck is she doing 
I, I, is it weird that I kind of like that gun that was made out of an instrument? I thought the flute, yeah. Yeah, I, I was like, man. that's pretty cool. And it's then you have Simon Pegg's character, uh, Benji Dunn, actually like get into some action as well. So I yeah. thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, he definitely ramps it up in this one, I think. And you, and you don't really know what Ilsa's motives are, even though you kind of know she's good, but you're not sure. And I'd say her, her plot is very much repeated, though, in Fallout. Yeah. So for what it is here, it works. It's because she's been undercover for so long that MI6 wants her to prove their worth. And I'm like, oh, they do that again later yeah. on, you know? Yeah, it's, it's kind of like what she does here isn't enough. Exactly. I'm like, and are you sure? I mean, I, I know I'm going off of combining it with Fallout at this point, but it's almost like they're still asking her of the same thing. Like, well, yeah. can you make sure you finish that job? <laughs> yeah. Really? And it's come like, back in. Yeah. And uh, make sure that you, uh, you know, we're just, if not, we're not going to let you come home. So yeah. it's like shit. But going back to the big heist, it turns out that this heist is also the death-defying stunt in this movie yeah. where Tom Cruise apparently held his breath for six minutes. This guy guys. had professional dive uh, dive guys that like help the actors, and they're like, this would take somebody like years to perfect and get it down, and like Tom Cruise picked it up in like a month. Yeah. Guy's like, this guy's the best diver I've ever met. It's, <laughs> made it it's to a- his craft. <laughs> It's a pretty intense scene. Six well. minutes. Mm-hmm. I, ju- I remember watching the because tra- this is the first time I saw the film, and I, w- I remember watching that in the trailer and watching that water going. Were down you like hole. holding your breath? I was like, oh no. Oh dude, yeah, I, I was scared because it's, it's a, two minutes it's a, it's a tense moment, dude. Because fun fact, I can't really swim, so I mean, any underwater scene really terrifies me because I'm just like, I'd be, I'd be fucked. Oh no, I'd be fucked. <laughs> And then when he loses the disc that he's supposed to change oh, yeah. in order to allow Benji access. And it's 50-50 whether or not it's the right one now. Yeah. Like, I know. I'm like, I why like, didn't, oh, why didn't oh, you just shit. make it a different color? It's not like they're going down there and checking that all these discs why are yellow. Why is this yellow. red? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, but it was pretty intense. It's, yeah. It was cool how you have the spinny arm coming around and hitting mm-hmm. him in the face. But yeah, pretty awesome. Uh, overall... Thoughts though, what uh, what did you think, James? Is is there any best moment, any other best moments, or any worst moments of this? Uh, definitely the motorcycle scene in this one puts uh, the motorcycle scene in Mission Impossible Two to shame. Oh yeah, um, I forgot that the diving scene leads into a car chase, which leads into a motorcycle scene. Yeah, because it's like th- he gets out, he's, back, he's, back, he's back. he basically died. Him and Benji get in the car. He's like, oh, I'm like not feeling good, but they're chasing after. As because she took the damn disc, and then all these other motorcycle dudes roll up, they crash the car. He's like crawling out of the car, and then he gets on the motorcycle. And I was <laughs> like, "Holy shit, man!" Grabs those sunglasses, of course. He's the Oakley's man. Oh yeah, and then he's just ch- and he's just chasing him down. And I was like, "Damn, this is really well done." Mm-hmm. It's really intense. Overall, there's not a lot to not like about the movie. I guess I think the plot circles if that makes sense, around what it really wants to do, though, a little bit in this one, where I don't think it quite nails it on the head with um, Ilza, where, I mean, it's awesome that we finally do get a strong, strong female protagonist that sticks around for more than one movie. But I felt like, once again, they start maybe a hint of a romance there that never goes anywhere, and it seems forced. Some obvious attraction there, yeah. Yeah, and then she's like, why don't you come with me at the end? And then he's like, nope, credits. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's how they ended it. Um, I think it was super cool how they trap Lane at the end. Oh, yeah. Which is the ending of the running scene, by the way. So they put him (laughs) in a box, and then 
um ving rame shows up just licking his fingers and he's just like nope <laughs> this is a this is a wall powdered donuts on his face yep they're kind of rough with that box aren't they oh man it's it's so? it's a like, cool it sounds like, oh, man, it's like a, a cool like kind of like full circle moment like where it's like conspiracy. i remember when you trapped me at the beginning at the record yeah. store exactly making also, him feel you know helpless he's shooting at the at the box the i know way. that it's bulletproof but they ricochet right I was thinking the same thing. I was like, watch out, buddy. You might kill yourself. (laughs) What about you, Nabil? Any last thoughts? I mean, uh, mean, James said it all. I actually uh, disagree a little bit about Ilsa. Um, I do agree that they try to force this romance. It was never there to begin with until all of a sudden, only if you go with me, you know, why don't you go with me? I'm like, "Uh, that's presumptuous. (laughs) Um, But otherwise, I think they did really good with their character. Just having somebody who can hold her own against him and doesn't really have to... um, it's she's not working for any specific government she's working for her own motives for whatever reason to get home or whatever else it yeah. is i thought that was a really good use of it i really liked the comedy here like a good example is where they go meet up with the prime minister and you know they do the, the tranquilizer guns on the prime minister and, i was like masks yeah and they get to use the mask i thought that was you know they did a very good job at, at trying to keep the serious scenes funny yeah um, and tom cruise not taking himself too seriously uh, either in the film because he's like I just had to show the truth to you, you know, so this is what it is. Um, or where the car in the chase scene, the the Jeep or whatever they're in flips 90 degrees each time on its side, on its uh, front and back. I was like, okay, that's and a And none thing. of them break their necks? None of them break their necks. Nobody's Not dead. once does he die. No. <laughs> Not a little bit. <laughs> well, so, actually, he does die. Well, yeah, when he Pretty gets true. revived, sure. Yeah. Um, but I mean, over and then of course they made a copy of a USB stick that um, requires the PM's voice and thumbprint. Um, how do you make a copy of that? I don't know. That seems weird. It's like don't question it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't think too hard on it. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's a secret file. Yeah. But um, I like James said. Overall, I mean, there's, there's a lot not to like about the film. It's funny. It's it's not taking itself too seriously. They have some good characters. Um, the motivation does get a little weird at the end about the villain, but overall, yeah. like pretty solid. Uh, I I agree with part of what both of you guys said. Fun fact about the car chase scene, though, uh, Simon Pegg and Tom Cruise did all their driving stunts. Oh, yes. Yeah. But I th- I do think it, it is an incredible chase scene, and the way it evolves into like a foot race, car race, and then motorcycle chasing, definitely one or probably the best chase scene in in the franchise. Uh, the motorcycle scene, obviously, yes, I agree, James. It, it was a great way to fix what number two did what with what could have been a really good chase scene, and they do convert it into that. I agree with Unibill about Ilsa. I I liked how she was the polar opposite of Ethan Hunt and how, well, not polar opposite, but it was it, she was like the female version of him where she's being disavowed by her agency and she's trying to prove that, hey, I am the good guy. I'm just trying to do it by my own means and my own standards. Right. The same way Ethan Hunt does, and I felt like that was their connection. I do think that the the romance was kind of a little like loosey-goosey on there, but <laughs> it worked for me because they have that sort of shared connection while at the same time he's sort of shattered between him losing his wife and not being able to be right. with her. And it's like, oh, this is something that could be, but you know what? I'm just going to be a dedicated agent. But overall... I liked it. I liked the villain. Um, solid movie. Not perfect, but definitely one of the best in the franchise. All right. And now on to the last film. A little finale here. Mm-hmm. The Big Guns. Mission Impossible, Fallout. There cannot be peace without first a great suffering. 
The greater the suffering, the greater the peace. The end you've always feared is coming. It's coming. And the blood will be on your hands. I prayed to God that it wasn't true. Solomon Lane escaped in Paris. And now the world is at risk. This is the CIA's mission. You use a scalpel. I prefer a hammer. So Mission Impossible Fallout is uh, the sixth film now in the, the franchise. Uh, Ethan Hunt and his IMF team, along with some familiar allies, uh, race against time after a mission gone wrong. Uh, so this one was uh, also directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Fun fact. Not that there's a real lot to pick from, but it's the first time the same director uh, directed. Come back twice, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's starring again, Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt, medium-sized hair, kind of kept the look. I uh, told you, he made it. Yep. I think maybe it's the age. He's like, I can't do this anymore. Can't do a long look. It yeah. looks weird when you're 56. It weighs him down, dude. <laughs> the speed, especially he needs. for the running. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got to be mobile. We got Ving Rhames as Luther, Simon Pegg, Benji Dunn, uh, Rebecca Ferguson is back as Ilsa Faust. Uh, Angela Bassett, new character, Erica Sloan, uh, Vanessa Kirby as White Widow, and Michelle Monaghan again. She comes back as Julia Mead Hunt. Uh, so who's running the IMF? Alec Baldwin as uh, Alan Hunley. He it's like t- official now. Yeah, really official. <laughs> yeah. He, they, they announced it at the very end of uh, Rogue Nation, and there is full-fledged uh, director or secretary of the IMF in this it, film. It's a good chunk of the previous cast being brought back, and it's yeah. the first time, first that's, time that's happened Which maybe too. because of the same director, I don't know, but it definitely gives you kind of a better feel for it, I think, too. The most you... direct of sequels. And this is actually the least amount of time between two sequels, <clears throat> so three years only, so... yeah. Now, the character who betrays everyone in this movie, which I would say isn't really surprising from the trailer, but how it happens is interesting. Henry Cavill, August Walker. Superman. Yeah, Superman. He's he's a good and bad guy. Son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and guess and, what? He does bleed. Yeah. <laughs> he does. He does bleed. Um, I thought he was a very good villain in this film, though. Yeah, I, I think too. a little too obvious. So I'd say for jumping right into it. Also, by the way, Lane's back. Um, we're back, baby. Yeah, villain, the, the main villain in this film, of course, is uh, Sean Harris Lane, who, if you look at the trailer, to, I think took James, uh, Marco, and I, I mean, multiple wow. views to figure out that oh, well, the, the bearded guy is the bad guy from the last film. No, as soon as he spoke in Rogue Nation, I knew that was him. Yeah. I was like, well, oh, that's the one that narrates the trailer. saw the trailer for Fallout, I hadn't seen Rogue Nation in three years, and I, I'd only seen Rogue Nation once because I didn't own it until yeah, now. Same here. So up until that point, I didn't... I. I, truthfully, I didn't remember a lot of the plot of Rogue Nation until recently. So was it the breathing? Is that what gave it away? Him heavy breathing? <laughs> I, it was when, as soon as he talked, basically. And because the trailer heavily shows him talking in the beginning, kind of explaining to Ethan Hunt why he's going to fail, basically. Yeah. So as soon as I saw the guy in the uh, Rogue Nation, I was like, oh. And like, for instance, I, Elza, I didn't even think she was in that movie. Oh. I thought she was a new chick. And then I was like, wait a minute. She looks familiar. No, I knew it was her, too. Well, I mean, you now knew it. Yeah. You didn't know when you saw the Fallout trailer. You didn't watch Rogue Nation yet. No, yeah. When I saw the trailer, I didn't. It's yeah, the only one I saw. No, that's what I mean. Yeah. When I watched oh, okay. Rogue Nation, no. yes. Yeah. When I watched blindly watching Fallout trailer, no. I had no idea. Uh, going back to Henry Cavill, though, the weakness of this movie, I think, is his reveal is way too early. Oh, yeah. you And the way he reveals it. I was like, it. oh, that's weird. All through, all through exposition. 
the whole thing. Oh yeah, he, he explains <laughs> it pretty. And it's not by reloading detail. his uh, his guns. No, not at no. all. Though in context, pretty cool scene. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I will say this much: coolness factor of Walker is out the fucking oh, roof. Yeah. His character, I could see why he wouldn't want to shave off his mustache for Superman. He's like, I'm playing a way better character here, guys. Yeah. He's like, no, nah, I'm going to make money off this one, guys. But I, I do kind of like how they figure out who betrayed them and who the bad guy is right up the front. Because that would have been kind of a letdown for me if they hadn't. I'm like, they, you guys have gone through this shit before so many times. Figure like, out a red, way to red oust flags, the goddamn red flags. Right? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, come on. I'm like, yes. I actually really enjoyed that part and how they double cross his ass. That was honestly didn't see some of it coming because because they did so many times. I didn't either. Specifically with uh, uh, Alec Baldwin's character, secretary. Like I really thought he was there just to bring him in, and then you go and watch it. Mind you, again, if you haven't seen this film, we are straight up in spoilers for this movie. I know it just came out, but I just want to remind that you know we're an hour and eighteen minutes in. Sorry, let y'all know. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, straight up, it was a twist, and you didn't see it, and you're like, oh, they were all in on it the whole time. Like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is. A really cool scene, by the way. It no. al- it almost makes up for the early reveal of the villain. Almost. Almost, yeah. I feel like they... But, I mean, if they played it out, it would just be a repeat of all the other movies yeah. again, I guess. Exactly. So, I, I, I see why they probably moved out from that kind of view, from not showing Walker. Um, Overall, though, there's some cool... There's a lot more... There's a lot like, more. Positives to this film, yeah. too, I'd say. I mean, best running scene possibly ever who you know racing Jesus after Christ. walker he to ra- catch up to you know, him this is where while he getting instructions uh from benji again and they showed the trailer i'm about to jump out of a damn window it's like yeah benji give him a break <laughs> <laughs> you, you see that he could turn the the gps the 3d, 3D mode oh, he's dying. like sorry i was on 2d <laughs> mode i was like oh shit and this is where i was saying earlier like the, you never see tom cruise less than tense you know he's always just full this at it is, this film like really shows you that he's a hundred percent like running, 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 going after it, and you feel the tension. This is the scene too where he broke his ankle in real life yeah. when he was jumping the buildings. He kind of fucked up one, and they used the shot, oh and they used gosh. it. Yeah, that's why like, it took oh, almost a wow. year to film the whole movie. Didn't delay it though. By no. the way, did you know no. that? It still came out on the release date. So finished it three weeks before. He's like, got it. There was also a big heist moment in this film. Um, was kidnapping Lane while avoiding the police and apostle members, which again, very good twist. So. Here's a question for you guys, because um, they did this twice. They do this kind of like, kind of flashback, kind of like forward oh, thinking. Like what could happen? Yeah, what could happen thing. There was a second time they did was in this scene where they say, "So this is our plan and how to do it." And he's like, "So this is what we're gonna do," you know. And then for me, it was reminis- reminiscent of the first movie. Yeah, because that's exactly what it was. I was like, "Oh no, he's in his head again." Mm-hmm. And then they go and show, you know, what he actually does. It's like, oh. But I gotta say, when he's going through that hypothetical. The way it's shot and filmed is so fucking amazing. Oh, yeah. And it's only ruined by the fact that it wasn't real <laughs> yeah, it was and it was on his head. I was like, no, that was I so thought, epic. I thought it was a cool callback, though, of like how Ethan processes things yeah. and thinks of stuff just yeah. like from the first Very movie. vividly. So that was really cool. Like he's... He's got beautiful minds. Basically, <laughs> he's replaying it in his head, so he knows, like, oh, I can't do that because then I'm gonna have to kill fucking cops and mm-hmm. shit, improve my loyalty. So why then... he improvises so much, basically? And that's one hell of a scene too. Then it was intense. Oh, intense. And that leads. That's another long scene, dude. I think that's what adds to the running time of the film. Those those flashbacks that he's doing in his head. Not even just that, he... but I mean, it literally from the point of that they knock the car out. The 
Avenging them, oh, dive the in, French get police, him in. Yeah. They're driving off. They're getting into another car to escape them. He has to drop Henry Cavill's character off, and then he's coming back around, and then he's on another motorcycle. Only for scene. all the police to just motorcycle be con- scene. It could just be like just conveying on his position. Um, and I just- almost think it's better than the. Uh, Rogue Nation. Motorcycle I actually scene. think it yeah. is. After, especially after watching him. Did you see he really did that too? Oh yeah, that was all. He was him. driving toward cars. I was like, oh my god! And, yep. and all throughout the streets of Paris. It's it's cool. Even up to the moment where he like crashes and like falls off the motorcycle yeah. and still continues to go. It's it's just so. It's really like, adrenaline pumping. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Uh, yeah, I yeah, it beats that Rogue Nation. It's definitely cool. I think so. Even though it's. There's Not, more I mean, to the Rogue Nation one. There's ro- more to the Rogue Nation, but true. it's more independently like Tom Cruise true, in this one. Like, but this there's, is... there's more pieces to this one because he he even has to worry about Ilsa Il- Ilsa yeah. Foss in this, where she's like gunning after him as well too. And I just I just died when they ran her over on a motorcycle. Yeah, like, he was like, you know, I was like, you know, sorry, you're not worth it. Yeah, just keep going. I'm like, I would have done the same thing. This chick running up on everyone. And um, the big, and that's not even justifying stunts. There was like two other big ones. Um, the one where he's dangling from a helicopter, um, and oh, mind you, he's also piloting that helicopter, and they have all those scenes of him doing it through the mountains. Um, and also, he he's I think the only actor on yeah. camera, at least, to ever do a halo jump. Um, he trained for a which year. Is a, yeah, for yeah, a year. He for did like a high a, altitude, like a low five minute jump. scene. And he um, supposedly did like a hundred something uh, jumps for the scene just to get it right. Because they, they, I was watching uh, some documentary and they were saying a lot of the scenes that they tried to capture, they were like ninety nine percent there, but could not get it a hundred percent. And it took, you know, that last shot to get it one hundred percent correct. That's so crazy. that's intense. Wow. My question is. Did Henry Cavill jump out the plane and do his Hell own stunts, no. or did he just kind of look like a punk compared to him? That's Superman money. He can't. And also, you know. just he really got struck by lightning too. <laughs> Those two <laughs> scenes are the two scenes flash. that are um, expanded in um, IMAX. Yeah. So they they really add to kind of the um, excitement of them too. I'd say so. If you have a chance to see it in IMAX, that's how we saw it. Yeah, I'd recommend uh, giving. Oh, it look. makes all the difference for those scenes too. It's really good, especially the helicopter one. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god! Just, uh, the cinematography in this movie is is just amazing. Uh, you can you can see Macquarie like fine tuned the style a little bit more in this one, and it, yeah, it I definitely paid off. He builds upon um, what he did in Rogue Nation basically, and moves on toward it. I have a question for you guys: What did you guys like that Michelle Monaghan came back as Julia? I I thought it added some more depth to it. Like I really actually like that. that off. Yeah, it's kind of sad in a way because you see that too. she did move on, obviously yeah. to live her life, and kind of had to. She does a nice little speech to Ethan at the end about mm-hmm. like, "Hey, I'd never be able to be doing this if it wasn't for you." And I feel like because they'd always kind of just briefly touched on it in um, Ghost Protocol, where she's at the end, and you you find yeah. out that Fing Rames <laughs> and has kind of been keeping a tabs on her, mm-hmm. and the reason why she actually didn't die and um jeremy renner thought he was part of that whole ordeal and i felt like they actually finally cleared that up which was nice i enjoyed that too it it definitely like got to you like if if you have a heart it got to you because you especially watching all six films back to back Mm -hmm. you can yeah you can tell that there still could have they could have had a future but the way things played out this is this is the, the the way their lives are taking the paths are going so to speak. Oh, and it lets, you know, now Ilsa can actually be a part of the film full time. <laughs> you know, maybe show up in the next no movie. Way. Who knows? I still don't think they ended it well, though. 
Well, it kind of just ended. He's like, don't make me laugh. Credits. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn, that's it? He just survives from All crazy that shit, man. Yeah. But he, yeah, he went through a lot of intense stuff, like flying the helicopter, which also, he flew the fucking helicopter. Yeah, he flew that. That's insane, really? Jeez, I didn't know he flew yeah. the helicopter. Yeah. He's like, I'll do it. They're like, you sure, Tom? Yeah, that that crash wasn't fake. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, by the way, that seatbelt, it really jammed. Yeah. He's like, oh, shit, I got a problem here, guys. Um, so, overall, though, uh, James, what were what are your thoughts about the film? I think... It's probably one of the best ones. I think these things only get better, which is crazy outside of number two. But I mean, I think it builds upon the team building on this one too. I really liked that Ilsa becomes more part of the team. Uh, I thought her plot was kind of bullshit though, still with the uh, MI6, as yeah, I previously talked about in Rogue Nation. It's basically rehashing her same plot from yeah. the previous movie. I don't think they, excuse me, found a good way to kind of bring her back in outside of being kind of a rogue agent in a way. Uh, to an extent, like I, she's I mysterious for no reason, though. She's like, I yeah, can't tell time. you. I'm like, mm, pretty sure you can just tell him. Especially when they give the reveals, like you could have told him that. Yeah, when she told him, I was like, that's it. I got to kill him. Okay. So well, you got to do the same thing for the first movie. Yeah, basically. Prognation? Well, no, the first time they said they had to arrest him, but he didn't go into custody to uh, MI6. True, no. true, that, true. That's true, why because, would, the whole because point it, and they say it in this one. He, they each country wants to try him. They wanted to quote and unquote piece of him. They get British intelligence because he yeah. knows so much. So okay. that that's why they're like, well, it looks like you're still in the game now. You got to kill him now. Mm-hmm. Cool. I like that they brought the villain back from the last one. That was interesting. And, um, it just shows you how more fucking crazy he is too mm-hmm. with yeah. the nukes. I thought the nuke thing was actually really well done. And um, I liked Walker. I thought once again they reveal him too early on. But Henry Cavill has this kind of he he's such a uh, he's scary actually if you think about it he has that kind of figure yeah. that like this guy can fuck you up yeah and I don't think it's the any villain no villain until this movie I think when they go one on one maybe Doug Ray Scott but he's kind of a pussy so it's kind of like <laughs> yeah eh, with number two so with Fallout finally you actually have someone that's physically formidable to Tom Cruise oh, yeah. which is hilarious because yeah. I think there's a 20 year age difference mm-hmm. between these guys yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean I think mm-hmm. Henry Cavill's what 30 something and mm-hmm. then Tom Cruise is 56 well yeah uh, Henry Cavill was born when Tom Cruise did risky business so. Oh, <laughs> so I mean if you think about it they shouldn't be equals, but they are equals in this one. And it probably I, is finally, in real life, too, equals. To it's funny that you yeah. mentioned that they actually duke it out. Lane and Ethan Hunt never fight each other. No. No, that's more of a kind of a mind thing. Yeah, too. I like that, too. So and actually, the scene between him, uh, Lane, Benji, and Elza is actually well done, too. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's tense. You almost think, like, somebody's going like, to die. I thought I told Marco during the movie, I was like, I think Benji's going to die. Because they, didn't they kind of hint at it? They did. I don't know. He's like, I don't know what to do without you. It's like, like oh, it, yeah. the idea hovers, That's but that was I—I I legit was fooled by that because I was like, if anyone's expendable, it's probably him because he could do other projects or free himself from the franchise. Or Vigan Rams, I saw him going out anytime. But well, well, that's Vigan Rams looks like he no. was. <laughs> <laughs> that's just not eating well bro he, he looked like he was running out of breath in every scene dude. Poor guy. No i think when he was guy. cutting when he's doing the bomb with uh julia he was like hold on hold on i gotta think i was like uh you got 10 seconds homie he said it needed another pair he of hands that's a thing dude he had to catch his breath he's licking his fingers he's like got all this bean juice everywhere sorry <laughs> where'd you get those ribs from <laughs> no i mean i like the fact that luther has 
Oh, actually, Ving Rhames is practically the only thing he does anymore. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to see him. And I, I like the fact that actually the reason why they're even in this mess yeah, that's right. is because uh, Tom Cruise, Ethan, doesn't want to sacrifice Luther in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. If yeah. he had, he would have got the plutonium and credits. Yeah, you know, they do that a lot in this movie. So, <laughs> and I think when he tells her that too, that's actually a very touching moment. That yeah. actually was probably one of Ving Rhames' best scenes yeah. where he's telling her, like, the reason why is because he's like, he didn't let them kill me. And it's like, oh, shit. And it shows you that although they don't interact the most throughout the six films, they've developed a relationship that's built and it's strong and... um it's a good payoff that it is. you know yeah. seeing they all six a full like arc right there. They've yeah. been through the rough together, so which is really is, nice. I like that bonded. scene a lot. Yeah, but overall, like I said, solid movie. Yeah. What about you, Marco? Uh, I agree with everything James said. I think he's he worded it well. I, I it's definitely one of the best and strongest in the series. Uh, I'm again, y'all know I'm a stickler for cinematography, and I think this one has the best cinematography oh, of all down, six dude. films. I was especially in IMAX. Definitely watch it in IMAX if you can. It just looks gorgeous. Did and you know they fought on that mountain? Yeah, I did not. That's that not. A, that, I thought that was once again. Bill loves backdrops, but mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, a lot of backdrops. I thought it was. It's not. Nope. Wow. They got uh, permission to do 800 landings on that mountain because they wanted to find the perfect location to film that. Oh wow! Which is why it looks so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. fantastic. What Marco it, it, said. This this movie just everything every every set piece just looks filmed great and the camera angles the camera movements are all just freaking hands down the best so um, villains were great you get one on the physical side and one on the mental side just kind of like messing with Ethan's head and I kind of like how he was challenged uh, to that sides, point. Yeah. And to the fact that the stakes were really large, and he could really fail. They could all really fail, even though we know we know they wouldn't. But still, they did a good oh, job at keeping it end. keeping Especially it. Especially when there's like, how much time do we have? I was like, oh man, that was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, again, the um, Ilsa stuff. Um, they could have made that stronger. Yeah, but it worked for me. Do you think, Marco? Is that like, a, is that the, probably the weakest point in the movie for you? Uh. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it is. We talked about it's, this it's, before. It's she was supply. pregnant during filming. I yeah, almost feel like that's part why it took away from her. Yeah. She oh, was four months pregnant when she did this movie. She was. Was she? Yeah. Yes. So that but might I mean, be the reason. She was on the motorcycle and everything. I think I don't know if she was the whole time. Yeah. yeah. They, they only show her when it's up close. And the close helmet up. Only, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I mean, it, it was still good. I mean, she was even a threat throughout the movie because she had to do what she had to do. Oh, they did well with And Blender. I was like, man, that, it, just, it just added a, a bunch of different uh, stakes to, to the plot that they got to stop the syndicate. They got to prove that the IMF is not. It really gave this movie an guy. identity with all yeah, these kind yeah. of things going on. It really shows you like these are what these Mission Impossible movies are about. It's like all these different subplots and they converge into one, and it, it works out really well. Which is hard to do for a franchise for the sequels to get better and for the latest installment to just be even more superior than the previous ones. Oh yeah, man. So, especially six movies in. Yeah, man. but um, final yeah. So those are my final thoughts. I thought it was great. Yeah. I'll it. tell you, I agree with you guys all 100. Um, percent The only thing that makes me sad about this film is that Tom Cruise is 56. And I don't know how many more, if any, he has left. I know he said he at least one more. If he does just... Ta- actually, technically, he has stated he wants to do these things until he dies. So. I mean, which would be great, but you could definitely tell in this film, though he's 100% you know, great in this movie, he he's aged. He's he, This is the first yeah. one where I noticed, too. I was like, oh, he's getting old. Yeah. He could become the Phelps 
in later on the franchise and run the IMF. Maybe. Yeah. I can yeah. see that. That'd that would be cool. Be cool. Yeah. I just don't want these to end now. No. That's, Sorry, guys. That's what I'm all, sad about. Is like... All of July 2018, we've been watching Mission Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Which, leading into it, that's the end of our review of the six films, but I want to end it by just asking everybody here just quick little five questions. So, guys, what are your rankings of the six films, starting with Marco? Wow. Um, man, okay. I got to go with uh fallout number one uh three mission possible three is number two um rogue nation is number three ghost protocol is number four the original mission impossible which actually i those two i could flip though the original and um ghost protocol i could flip because i i, I gotta pay homage to the original and of course number two was shit so it's definitely the last one on my, on my list nice what about you, Nubo? Uh, a little mixed up. Um, my number one would be the Mission Possible 3. Um, I just think it was like really solid, just the way they did it's, the whole thing. That's funny. Some people think that's the worst one. Really? I think that. I just I think, think they're fucking blind. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm just kidding. If you hear the reason why, you'd be like, oh. Um, but number two would be Fallout, then Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, uh, Mission Impossible, and then Mission Impossible 2. Nice. Uh, mine would be Fallout, which is crazy because that's it just came out, but it was it's great. I'm I feel like that's the one on like more and more views. It's only going to get better. Uh, it'd be Fallout, Rogue Nation, um, Mission Impossible Three, uh, Ghost Protocol, Mission Impossible One, and then Mission Impossible Two, of course, because you know. No offense to John Woo, by the way. No, a guy I have met, by the way, in real have life. You really? Yes. Oh shit. So that's right. you told me. Yeah. Good hey, guy. Face Off was good. Same. He did a couple movies back in the early 90s, too, that were pretty good. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a good so. director, good writer. Just what they wanted him to do in this film. Yeah. yeah this was very much a studio film. Yeah. Going back. Anyways, we've talked about number two enough. <laughs> what is your guys' favorite death defying stunt between the six movies? Starting with you and Bill. Oh, my favorite stunt is um, still the Burj Khalifa. Just swinging behind it and the jumps he did between the windows. Like, that's intense. Nice. What about you, Marco? Man, this is tough. Um, uh, I gotta say, it's probably the uh, the underwater one, just because I think it's it's different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I definitely go Burj Khalifa too. Yeah, I think that was the first one when I was like, "This is that." I think that's the first time, regardless really of the noticed thing, it. Right when I was like, "That's really crazy." Mm-hmm. Like, generally. Guys, he drowns, okay? Yeah. I'm just kidding, sorry. All right, guys, what is the best heist in all the six that you guys like the most, starting with Marco? I have to go with uh, breaking out lane in Fallout. That's actually a good one, I Dude, this last movie had a lot of good shit. I didn't want to like toot it torn too much, but I got to say that one, just because of the the way they, they do it and how everything leads into that climactic chase. Yeah. I, I just... I know things go wrong in it, but I still think it's kind of adds to it, though. Yeah, Yeah. it's my favorite sequence. No, I agree. Uh, What about you, Nabil? Mine mine is actually in Fallout as well, to be honest. Um, I was trying to go back and think about, like, 4 and everything else, but this one, I think, overall, just doing the chase and everything else like that, it's just, what there's a lot more tension in this heist. Nice. Um, I would be in Mission Impossible 3 when they kidnap Owen Davian, which I brought up during our little review. I think that's still one of the best uh, executed ones from them disguising themselves and then putting them under the grate and then 
Luther popping up and being hella creepy and grabbing him. <laughs> Finding out how they do the how they capture their voice. The mask, that too, was yeah. cool. You know that that poem that he has him read is actually meant to have to do exactly what he did in that movie. Oh, really? That's to cool. see how you pronounce things I phonetically assumed, and things like yeah. that. I yeah. assumed because he's Crazy. saying certain words and that yeah. you wouldn't say all the time. Uh, this is probably you guys probably got this one. Uh, best villain. Uh, Owen Davian, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, got got yeah. to same. Got to hand it to him. To, I think we to, all can agree. Rest that. in peace, man. I just wish he had been branched out a little better near the end, but no, solid guy. Yeah, and of course, what's the best Tom Cruise haircut? The only redeeming quality of the film. Two, man. baby. Two. Mission Impossible Two. Two, baby. Just the way the wind blows. Yeah, <laughs> especially when he just when he when he. I'm going to talk about this when he bops that one where the damn gun gun comes out of the sand and he just turns and yeah. then I don't know where his hair is just Slow flowing because that cut on his face. I'm like, ooh, that's the that's the title <laughs> right there. Even though it's on the wrong side in the cover, but yeah. yeah. All right, guys. So that is our Mission Impossible marathon. A Mims, if you'd like to say the Th- ultimate summer blockbuster movie pal. Podcast. The only one that matters. Right. Thank you for going down this rabbit hole with us. Yeah, this one's a little longer, of course, but, you know, six movies. The fact that we even got it down to this much is... And hey, you know what? If you want to do your own marathon, let us know what you think. What's your favorite? Who's your favorite villain? What's your favorite death-defined stunt, etc.? Let us know. Yeah, maybe you don't like Tom Cruise hair in the second one. Hey, maybe, crazy. maybe Mission Impossible 2 is your favorite of all time. Some people do say that. That's terrible. Still. No, Who are you people? Hey, anybody can fight their argument, Who but I mean... You just don't got good taste in movies. Um, once again, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, feedback's great. Response reviews. And thanks for all the people that were asking us, like, hey, when's the next podcast coming out? And yeah. I was like, people do care. Did you guys disappear? Yeah. Look at, like, during that whole time, things, you know, things happened in threes. I actually got Twitter famous for, like, 20 seconds. He did. Oh, by my the God. Way. Yeah. I forgot to mention he that. Yeah, 15 minutes of fame. Please follow James. At Rufio1617, check it out. By the way, the we had a little giveaway during made. the um, Marco and I saw the Equalizer 2. Whoop, spoiling what we saw, but yeah. I have to announce this Equalizer. because we are going to let you know who the winner is uh, that we posted on Facebook. By the way, Marco, how can people reach us? Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash moviepalspod. You can also tweet at us at moviepalspod. Uh, subscribe to us also on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Leave us feedback as well on either Twitter or Facebook. And please leave us a review on either Google Play, iTunes, or SoundCloud. We definitely appreciate the feedback and we'll listen to you guys. And you know what? Leaving the reviews helps the algorithms and it kind of triggers more people to check us out. So yeah. some random people sometimes. We had a lot of people in Las Vegas Yeah, this last week, by the way. Vegas, baby. Vegas Don't, strong. No idea where that We're came making from. making it big. Yeah. I track things. Creepy. Uh, going back to that, we posted something on our Facebook where we gave a giveaway for a digital copy of The Equalizer. And the winner of that one is Mary Ann Bugs. So you will be getting a message from me directly on Facebook. Congratulations, Congratulations! Man. And I will be giving you that digital copy. We want to announce that we do have another giveaway for this one. It is a digital copy of Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Uh, once again, you you know everything about it at this point, but guess what? If you don't own it or you want to share that code with somebody, like, share this uh, podcast when we post it. We're going to pick somebody who has liked it and shared it. We will actually pick a random person out of that by the time of our next pod, and we will contact you as well and provide that code. Stay tuned for our next podcast, which will be co- podcast number 29, yeah. actually. Look at that. We're nailing these things. 
once again, we three are going away for a little bit. A little, little summer vacation. A little again. vacation, actually. We're all hanging yep. out. It doesn't happen often. But yeah. don't worry. We will come back. We don't promise. Tra- don't track us down. That would be creepy. But, I mean, we will be reviewing the new movie. It's actually a shark film. The Meg. It's Jason Megalodon. Yeah. yeah. Jason Statham. I believe um, Nabil said he does a spinning kick underwater. At the nose he, of the shark. Yeah. And that's the only way to take those out, right? So. <laughs> How Anyways, guys, that's the only way to take the make down. Until next time, this is James and Marco and Nabil. Have a good one. <laughs>